as pastor, I often am mindful on a Sunday morning when we're singing words such as those that there are people in all different kinds of places this morning, whether here on site or at home, that need to see a victory in their life. And a lot of times we come into service and we have a beautiful experience of worship, which Joe's led us in, and then we step into the Word, but we neglect prayer. Prayer, not just to pray service in or pray service out, but prayer for one another. And I know it takes time to do that, but this morning as this worship block's put together, it's on my heart that this morning someone, many people maybe, need to see a victory. And as Joe mentioned, we serve a Jesus who healed a blind man. So his arm's not too short, whether to heal physically, to transform a relationship that's broken, to be able to gather resources that maybe you feel that you're minus right now that you need in your life to move forward. And I'm just going to ask that we bow our heads and if you're an individual that needs a victory in your life and you'd like to be prayed over, I'm just going to have you stand where you're at. And maybe you're carrying a burden for someone else's victory and you would just like to acknowledge that. You're not going to have to say anything or do anything, so don't worry about that and if it wasn't COVID-sensitive, I'd have us gather around one another and pray over one another, but we won't do that. But if you're standing in a place of prayer, needing a victory this morning, would you just stand, whatever that need may be, and we're going to include you in our prayer time. The Lord Jesus smiles when he sees his children. And even if you're not a child of God yet, you're a seeker of him, he smiles when he sees people come to him with their needs. He wants to meet needs. He wants to be glorified. And that is seen many times through transformation that happens. Anyone else? What I'm going to ask you to do then is if you see someone that's standing around you, you identify with them. Maybe you know who they are. Maybe not. Maybe they're just brand new this morning. Just extend your hand towards them as we pray. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we come in your bold name. The name that is above every name, the name by which every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. Lord Jesus, we sing of you. We give you our glory. We give you our praise. But Jesus, we come to you now to pray one for another. Your word says that we have not because we ask not or we ask amiss. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask in your name that you would bring the healing, the transformation, the resources, the encouragement that's needed to each and every individual, whether they're standing here on site or they're standing maybe at home. And we ask through your Holy Spirit that you would first of all come and minister your presence and your peace in their life. Lord, maybe they feel alone in the darkness or that no one else even knows the particular need that they're standing for right now, but you know. And Lord, may your peace come alongside them to know that they have companionship through your Spirit. Lord, even if they're a seeker of yours this morning and have not come into a relationship with you, may your Spirit speak boldly into their inner being, words of encouragement that you are for them, that you like them, that you have a plan for them, that what you did on the cross and through the power of your resurrection was for them. So Lord, may they not feel that aloneness by your Spirit's presence. 
And now, Lord Jesus, we ask by the power that did heal a blind person, made the lame to walk, the power by which people were raised from the dead. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would extend your hand and you would bring a healing touch of transformation to that particular need. As we extend our hands, may your hand touch them and may even here this morning that need be met. Lord, may we not sin by not asking or asking amiss for own selfish reasons rather than for your glory. But Lord, we ask that you would be glorified and that you would bring the healing, the transformation, the encouragement, the enlightenment, the wisdom, the comfort. Lord, we know that there is resource in you. We are a needy people. We are a broken people. We are a sinful people. And so, Lord, we repent of those sins or the indifference or the double-mindedness or going to others for counsel rather than coming to you. And we ask that you would extend your hand right now and touch these needs that are represented in this room and beyond. And then, Lord, because you won that victory, we just remind the adversary this morning, Satan himself and his workers, that they have no rights to mess with anybody here. And there is no power that they have that cannot be undercut and diminished because of your greater power, because you defeated them at the cross. And so, adversary and your workers, you have no rights whatsoever to wreak havoc and bring oppressiveness, even depression upon people's lives to orchestrate circumstances that would bring about more brokenness and keep back the power of Jesus. You're a defeated foe. And so in the name that's above every name, the name by which every knee shall bow in heaven on earth, and yes, all of the broken, demonic world that's under the earth, we pray protection and freedom. Lord, may we take our lives May they be healed by you, but may we then take our lives and offer them back to you as a living sacrifice to go forward this week. And so, Lord, we thank you that we're able to pray as a church family, one for another, in time of need. In your name, God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Indeed, it's uh, good to be in the house of the Lord and to worship, to pray for one another. And we have a special opportunity today to hear from uh, a servant of God from his word. My name is Carrie, and as lead pastor, I have the week off. Actually, I did take the whole week off, and it was beautiful. And uh, we had uh, a nice 30th anniversary week away in Palm Springs. Melissa and I did, and I didn't do anything. And God planned that because he made me forget my laptop, so I had no way of working anyway. So that was, that was painful. But uh, that was good, the decompressing and all that happened. But uh, we had a good week away. I trust your week's been good. Thanks for coming today, especially if you're new. Thanks for checking us out. Maybe you've actually returned. I see several people that are new or have returned. Uh, we're just a bunch of broken sinners that are healed by God's grace, and we're seeking his glory. And uh, if you are looking for a home church, we'd love to have you camp here if that's what God's leading is in your life. On your way out, there's a connect card, and we'd love for you to fill that out, drop it in the baskets to let us know about you. If you're watching new online this morning, you can go to our website, and you can uh, send us some of your info and connections there. But uh, we just want to get to know you, especially as we step into spring. 
Can you believe March 1 is tomorrow? And uh, we're going to uh, just seek God to continue to grow us as a church family, both broader in community, but also deeper. And one of those things I want to encourage us about is you've been hearing about it for several weeks now. You're probably tired of it. But that is our rooted experience. It's a 10-week discipleship journey. Whether you're new to the faith, seeking the faith, or you're a long time in the faith, the rooted experience is a 10-week experience where you're going to get to know Jesus. And the series we've been in called Follow is you're going to discover fresh and anew and in a deeper way what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And you're also going to understand God's purpose for your life and get to know some other people. And tonight is the opening night for Rooted. We've had to sort of postpone it and bump it back a little bit, but tonight's the opening night. Many of you have signed up. About 30 of you did. If you have not signed up and you want to check out Rooted, please come tonight. I had somebody walk up to me before service and said, hey, I haven't signed up, but we're going to be there tonight. That's great. Come and check it out. If it's not for you, uh, then that's cool. But I really believe this is one of the most transformative things you can do in your personal life. Maybe you're connected with a group, maybe not. Maybe you're like solo today and you're like, oh, that would be a really spooky, scary thing. No, it's not. It'll be transformational. You'll be so glad that you came. And I'll share more about what that is and uh, then we'll get to know each other in groups a little bit. But come tonight, it's at 6 p.m., the Rooted Experience. Come talk to me afterwards if you're thinking about maybe coming, but you can just show up cold turkey tonight, and we're going to launch this journey of 10 beautiful weeks of getting to know Jesus and his purpose and getting to know one another. Also, tonight is the Young Adults Group. It's sort of generally defined as 18 to 28, but uh, if you think that you're young enough, I guess you can show up, and Miranda and Zach will let you know if you're young enough or not. But uh, Miranda Sprague and uh, Zach Bowman uh, are leading that, and they'll be here tonight. By the way, he didn't get a chance to do it because I took over the announcements today. But Zach Bowman is a married man to Brittany, and this is his first Sunday back. <laughs> Men's group, I'm going to put Matthew on the spot. Would you stand? This young man right here, God has transformed his life. Men, I want you to show up on Saturday. We're giving burritos out even. And uh, Matthew is going to share his faith story about what God's been doing in his life. You can be seated, Matthew. And uh, he came to, I think it was our second men's group. God was changing his life. And uh, he, uh, he said, I want to be baptized. And we just went and took him to be baptized after, after group, that kind of thing. Men, many of you are showing up on Saturday morning. Come this week. Sign up, though, and it really helps us when it comes to getting enough burritos. Every exit, I think, has a sign-up sheet. But men's group, 8 a.m., and we're going to hear Matthew unpack what God's doing, not what he's only done, but what God's doing in his life. Thanks for sharing, Matthew. Um, if you want to give to today's offering, you can text the word AWAKENING to 77977, or you can give at the baskets on your way out. Thank you so much for being faithful in stewarding God's resources. One last announcement here, and it's this. Our kids' church, and many of you kids that are here, can I see you wave your hands? That's great. You are so faithful. You pick up your kids' packets, or you're engaged in worship. Thank you for enduring the COVID journey, not only with school, but also with church. And uh, we do have our Kids Church online, and you can get that by going to the Kids Church, um, the Awakening Kids uh, Church Kids uh, website, but um, Facebook site. But we are looking for us to be back in-house with kids ministry, both with the littles and with the elementary, on April 4th, which is Easter. And we've been looking for God, yes, we have been looking... For God to lay it upon your hearts 
to help a whole fresh tier of volunteers. Uh, we've had our children's ministry leaders transition during COVID, and we are currently without a children's director, but we want to gather a volunteer team together that's really going to relaunch our kids' ministry afresh and anew on April 4th. Please consider doing that. You can mark it on a Connect card or talk to Oliver Cardenas, and Oliver is sort of coalescing a group of volunteers to do kids' ministry for us. Now, you may say, who is Oliver? Well, it is my privilege this morning to introduce Oliver as our guest speaker. Oliver and his wife Amy came and their family came to us uh, this past summer. He is a licensed pastor with the Christian Missionary Alliance. You can come on up, bro. Oh, okay. And uh, he has uh, willingly said, I will teach today so you can have a good week off there. But Oliver is a great man. He is a uh, uh, currently the Latin America director, right, yes. for Every Generation Ministries. That is right. And uh, so when I first met this man a number of years ago, it was just in passing with a bunch of Alliance pastors, and I said, that man has some energy for Jesus. <laughs> and uh, so it's a blessing. It's a blessing to have you step into the role, sort of he's quasi-staff in one sense, as a pastor being able to come in and help us transition some of the children's ministry. He's not the children's director, but he's gathering the volunteers to help us as we pray through to a new children's leader. But Oliver, thanks for your role and Amy and the family that you're taking on in our church in just a few months. And thank you for teaching this morning. God you're bless. welcome. God bless. I'm just going to need this, please. Thank you so much. Well, I am very, very excited to be with you this morning. And I got to tell you this. I was born and raised in Mexico City. And I had something to confess to you. The best tacos in the world are in Mexico City. <laughs> Indeed. And it is true, they have taco stands in every corner. So everywhere you go, you will find tacos. I believe that's the land of taco wars. Everybody's trying to make the best tacos in town. So if you ever get the chance to visit Mexico City or you ever want to come, I would love to bring you over because I can show you where the best tacos are. And Guaranteed, you're going to have a great, great time. You know, other than tacos, I want to talk about my, me growing up in Mexico. It was really, really fun. We used to play on the streets. That was before cell phones. That was before computers. And I used to go out with my friends and have a good time with them. We used to do a hide and seek. We play football, I'm sorry, soccer, right? <laughs> And it was, it was really, really, really fun. We used to drink water from the hose, and nobody got sick with that. Everybody was okay. It was very nice to, to grow up in Mexico City. I have a lot of nice memories about me growing up there. And I'm sure that you also have beautiful memories when you were uh, a child. I mean, you're still a kid. You're going to be building these memories through your life, and when you get older, you're going to be thinking about all the great memories that you have as a child. You know, my children are already a little bit older now. My daughter, one of my youngest daughter is about to turn 10 years old. But when they were younger, when they were about three, four, five years old, I used to take them to the park. And I realized that children have this interesting ability 
to make friends really fast, right? I remember my daughter playing in the park, and in 10 minutes, she already made a new friend. She already know, knows what she likes to eat, and she even invited them to come over to the house. You know, it's interesting to see how children have this gift, this ability to build relationships, to meet new people, to trust someone very easily. And I was just thinking about today's message that I, that I was asking God, God, can I, what can I share to the Awakening Church this morning? And the Lord really told me, like, you need to tell them about the importance that children have for me. You need to tell them how much I love children. And, you know, as I was mentioning, it is important to see how a child sees and lives their life because I think there's a lot that we can learn from it. So the message today is, let the little children come to me. And I want to share, oh, sorry, I, this is my first time up here in the controls. Oh, what is it? I'm going backwards, so we're going to do worship again, I guess. Yeah, it's right button. Oh, there you go. There you go. So I want to I start with this statement. It says, maybe one of the reasons we are so worn out, tired, and worried is because we have forgotten how to see and live life in the same way children do. Right? As we get older, we get more worried about everything. We become adults, and then it becomes, life gets harder. But as I was mentioning that sample that I, that I started with, maybe we need to start paying attention how children are, how do they live, how do they see life, because I think this can really bring us into a closer relationship with God. This can help us to really see God in the way he wants us to see him, in the way that he wants us to trust him. And I think it's very, very important to remember this. You know, if you grew up in church, you probably remember a very popular Christian song for children that says, I'm not going to sing it because I'm not a very good singer, though. But it says like this, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow and black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. I ended with, with singing. You know, and it's true. Jesus loves all the children of the world. And, you know, what I was thinking about this is, I think when, he's, when, when we understand how Jesus loves all the children of the world, we need to understand that he also loves us. And that he wants us to become like children so we can fully understand how much he loves us. Now, let me, let, me, let me state this clearly, because Jesus wants us to believe and trust in him just like a child trusts his parents or those that are caring for him. And this doesn't mean that we should be childish in, or immature, but it means that we should start trusting God the same way children trust their parents. That we need to start having a different approach of how we come to Jesus, that we need to start thinking of the way of how I see how Jesus is at work at my, in my life. So today we're going to go into the passage that we find in Mark chapter 10. In the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 10, we're going to be seeing a, a situation where people were bringing 
little children to Jesus so he can bless them. But before we go into this particular passage in, chapter, in Mark, Mark chapter 10, I just want to give you a little of a preview of what was going on right before this happened. By this time, Jesus' ministry, it's been going on for about three years. He has been performing miracles. He has been teaching. He has been blessing people. There's so many people that started following him because they saw the miracles that were happening. I would say that by this time, Jesus was kind of like a celebrity. People in the multitude wanted to come to him. They wanted to just touch him. They just wanted to get very near to him. And this created some, some of the disciples were a little bit tense already about this particular situation. You know, it is true that some people saw Jesus as a good teacher, as a rabbi. Others saw him as a prophet. Others saw him as even as someone that was out of his mind. And the followers, the disciples, saw him as the Messiah. Some of them were really saying, you know, this is the promise this is the fulfillment of the promise that we read about in the old time scriptures. And they were following him in the past weeks. Pastor Kerry has been sharing to us about how he called different people to follow him. What, what took for them to follow him? Some of the things that they have to deny themselves to follow Jesus. So this, uh, Jesus was already walking, uh, traveling in his way back to Jerusalem. And he was with his disciples and Right after an argument with the Pharisees, the religious teachers, they were arguing, they were trying to find out about what he was, what, what was his position in regards to divorce. And they were trying to find a fault on him because they wanted to get rid of him. They wanted him to be arrested and eventually they wanted him to be killed. And we go into this part of the scripture where we find this uh, particular event where we find Jesus, the disciples, the crowd, and also people that were bringing these little children. So let me make sure I press the right button. So we're going to read in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And it says like this, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. It, it is interesting to see this, this event, this situation. First of all, it says there were people that were bringing these little children to Jesus. In, in, in the scriptures, we don't know if they were just the mothers of the fathers, but they were definitely people that care about these little kids. We assume that these are their parents of the kids, and they want to bring these little children and the little children that the Bible is talking about are very small kids. These are the kids that cannot come or they cannot walk. They need to be carried. They need to be brought to Jesus. And, and you know, I remember that when my kids were small, uh, as they were growing up, I was uh, observing them. You know, when they started walking, you all have memories of that, right? When you saw your kid walking for the first time, you have the video, the camera, and you see the baby, you know, falling or, or, you know, and it finally made two steps and everybody was so happy. Well, when the Bible is talking about these little children, it's talking about kids that are that small. Little kids that need some kind of assistance. Kids that are, are, are vulnerable 
kids that are, you know, that need someone to feed them, to care for them, to protect them. These are the kind of little children that are being brought up to Jesus. But there's something interesting about this because it says here that when these people, these parents, were bringing these little children to Jesus because they want these kids to be blessed, they want Jesus to place their hands on them, on the kids, on the little children, they find something that was stopping them to get to Jesus. And the Bible says here, the scriptures say that it was the disciples who got on the way, not of the children, but of the parents, so they cannot come close to Jesus. And I was just thinking, why we will do something like this, right? Why they were not just saying, okay, please come in, get in the line, you can go ahead and have a minute with Jesus, he will pray for you. And then get a ticket, next one, next one, and let's be organized. Social distance, please, if it, it was the current time, right? It wasn't like that. The disciples, some believe, although it doesn't say in the scripture, some believe that they felt that the Messiah, Jesus, was too busy to care for little people. If he was going truly to be the one that was going to bring the kingdom of God, he needed to talk to important people, right? He needed to talk to the politicians. He needed to talk to the Roman soldiers. He needed to talk to people of influence. He had no time to talk to little children, right? Maybe they thought about that. Another, some other things, some other people think that they were really concerned that someone was trying to harm Jesus. So what attitude they took as disciples? They took the, the, the attitude of bodyguards. They say, no, 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 no. I'm going to defend Jesus. No one can come nearby Jesus if they don't come through me or through us. They needed, you know, to, they became kind of like the bouncers in the nightclub, you know. They were the ones saying, well, you look good enough. Come in. You don't, uh, you have to step outside. You know, maybe I give you 20 so I can get in. No? <laughs> Nothing like that. You know, the, the disciples took this attitude of saying, who can get in and who cannot? Some other felt that they were worried that somebody wanted to hurt Jesus. So they say, you know what? We have to be very vigilant because they've been seeing the attitude of the Pharisees, the religious leaders. They've been seeing that the religious leaders wanted to really get rid of Jesus. It was uncomfortable for the religious leaders, all the stuff that Jesus was talking about. It was radical. It was so against the religion. Love one another? Come on. That was radical at that time. You know, I'm, going, I'm here to bring salvation. What are you talking about, Jesus? That is radical. Grace? Grace? For the, for the, for the religious leaders, this was uncomfortable. Examine your hearts. Change the way you're living. Humble yourselves. You know, the religious leader had this idea that they were very special. That they were the ones that had a special role on all this. Jesus was saying, none of that is important. None of that is really matters if you don't humble yourself to God. So they want to get rid of him. It was going against the system that was established but then look at what happened after this 
It says, the following verse, it says, when they saw this, when Jesus saw what they were doing to the parents that were bringing these little children, he was indignant. He was indignant. And I was reading this and I say, you know what? Before I met Christ, before I met Jesus, I always had an idea about Jesus being such a cool guy. Always peaceful, always loving, always, you know. And he is. He's peaceful, he's loving. But he's also, we see him in other occasions where he's also emotional about injustice. Emotional about what is not right. He's saying, I'm, this is not right what you're doing, disciples. Mark, I mean, Matthew, John, Peter, James, you are, what you're doing is not right. It really bothers me. That's, that's, that's what it's here. It's like, it bothers me because Jesus has been telling them about the importance of children. He's, making, he's been making examples about what children are to him and what kind of attitude people need to have to come into the kingdom. This is not the first time that we see this reference. They've been, been listening from the teacher, from the rabbi, from Jesus himself, from God himself. They've been listening that children are important and that they needed to become like children with the attitude of a, of a child to come to understand who God is. But the disciples were so busy. They just felt like, we, got, we, we had a job to do. We got to do, we got to get busy. And he was indignant because of the injustice that he saw. Can you imagine this? He's right in the middle and there's 12 people like surrounding him, his disciples. And then after that, there's a bunch of people. And then on that, in that crowd, there's people with the little kids that they want to come in. And he's seeing people say, no, 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 you cannot come. No, don't bother him. And he just stood up there and he was indignant. And you know what? It's a reminder to us that we should be indignant to the injustices that we, can, that we see. We should be indignant when people are mistreated. When a, when a child is lost. When he when she or he are, 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 is an orphan, that should create that emotion, that sense of us feeling indignant. We should be indignant when we, you know, see that children cannot come to Jesus for things that are happening. That should be something that makes us indignant. Following this example of who Jesus is. And that is something that we need to start thinking about. That, Like, what are the things that are happening in my community, in this city, in my church, that are not allowing children, are not allowing those with little faith, new in the faith, like children spiritually in their life, you know? What is not allowing them to come to meet, to know, and to experience who Jesus is in a personal way. That should create that kind of emotion in us. Because when that happens, then we can start becoming more like Jesus. We can be more like him because that's what he wants us to be. 
He wants us to follow him. That's what we've been learning through the weeks, right? He wants us to experience him. And look at what happens later on. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as this. Let the little children come to me. With what he was saying, he was not just saying, only little children are allowed to come to heaven. He didn't say that. He didn't say only the small ones can come into the kingdom of God. But he was saying, let them come to me. Let them experience me. Let them, you know, know or, or, or have a, an opportunity to, to know who I am. And he was also telling them something that the disciples already knew. Because remember, he's talking to the disciples here. He's not talking to the crowd. He's not talking to the parents. He's talking to his disciples. And he's telling them something that he already told them. Now, if we have a Bible now and we can actually go back just one chapter. If we were in the chronology, chronological map, maybe it's, it this happened just days before, weeks before. But just a chapter before, in Mark chapter 9, we find a very interesting conversation that happens between Jesus and his disciples. And it says like this. In Mark chapter 9, verse 33 to 36, it says like this. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they keep quiet because on the way, they have argued about who was the greatest. Can you imagine this? So Jesus is walking with his disciples, and maybe he's going a little bit ahead of them. And they're following him, right? They're walking behind him. And all of a sudden, he turns around and they're like, hey, 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 no, just me, 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 me. That's me, that's me, not you, that's me. Imagine that. I mean, that happens to my children sometimes. And I'm sure that may happen to your children too, right? You're walking and they start in some kind of argument. And the disciples were arguing about this topic. Hey, Peter, you think you're going to be number one in, in the kingdom? I don't know, John. Or, hey, who's going to sit next to him? Who's going to be the, ne the next, box, the next box, boss? Who's going who's gonna to take up first? So, uh, who's going to be the commander? Who's going to be in a special position? They were having this argument about who among them was going to be the greatest. And look at what happens after this. It says, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. So he's telling them in one word, you need to humble yourselves. You really want to be great in the kingdom? You need to learn to serve others. You need to have a heart willing to say, I'm denying myself. It's so opposite to what culture tells us, right? It's so opposite to even in our own culture, in this context, tells us. But Jesus is so relevant even today 
that he's reminding us that we need to have humbleness. That we need to put him above all. That Jesus is really who is above all things. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. We are working to build his kingdom, God's kingdom. Not my kingdom. Not what I want. Not the position I need to have. But we want to position him above all things. He was reminding them about this. And it's very interesting because look at what happens next. It says, he took a little child. Now, this happened just days before the situation I told you at the beginning. He took this little child and who he placed among them, tucking the child in his arms, he said to, the, to them. So he's like probably sitting there and he's like, oh, oh, hey, can I borrow your child for a minute? Hey, you, my follower there, can you please bring your child over here, that little baby that you have there? Why, Jesus, what are you going to do with him? I need to use him as an example. Because it seems that the disciples are having a hard time understanding what I've been telling them over and over and over. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, here, here's my kid. So Jesus sitting down, maybe like the Lion King, right? <laughs> or something like this. He lifts up the kid or he holds the kid in his arm and he says, here, pay attention. Pay a lot of attention. It says... Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Wow. If I would have been there, I would have been just like you right now. Just quiet. I would have just been thinking, what did just Jesus did and say he stopped the argument about the greatness and who's going to be first and all that with such a simple example using a baby using a little kid that could not help himself that could have not even decide for himself placing it in the middle of everyone and saying if you welcome this little kid if you welcome someone that is like this like like it's vulnerable. If you wake, welcome someone that doesn't have anything, then you're welcoming me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful when we see this? And this takes me to the next statement because this is something that we need to think about. Greatness is not achieved through marvelous actions that we all see. It is often achieved through lowly and unseen acts towards those who cannot repay. Wow. This kid couldn't repay, repay Jesus. This is something that we are, you know, as I was reading this, I was like thinking, Jesus, help me to become more like you. Help me to think more about how I should care for those ones that are more vulnerable than me. For those ones that don't have as much as I do. For those ones that don't even know you yet. Show me how I should behave myself among those ones that have no idea of your hope. 
or those ones that don't even know who you are or what you did for me or for the world or how you love me, that you sacrifice everything so I can be redeemed, restored, and saved. Think about this for a minute. He was just reminding us about this. And you know what? I want to introduce you to those, these two beautiful girls. And I need to think, drink water because this, every time I share the story, I have a hard time sharing it. I have had the privilege to be called to serve as the regional director for every generation ministries. I've been doing that for almost five years. And it's been mind-blowing, the journey that the Lord allowed me to go through. Before serving with EGM or Every Generation Ministries, I was a church planter. I, was, I had the privilege, the opportunity to serve as a church planter for almost 10 years of my life. And then the Lord called me to be part of this ministry. Who foc- the mission statement of this ministry is to see children transform through his church. To see children transforming Christ through his church. So what we do is that we are looking for partners all over Latin America and other countries and continents around the world. And what we do is that we help people that are serving children in their local churches by providing them with leadership development programs, equipping them so they can disciple children in a a more effective way. We also help them to develop Bible teaching resources for children that are culturally relevant to the context where they live. So this has allowed me to travel to so many countries in the past five years. I tell you, before these five years, I never got out of my house practically. (laughs) I practically just traveled through California and some states here in the United States. But in the past five years, I've been in four continents. I've been in so many uh, countries and churches and have the opportunity to meet people in different places. So a year and a, a year and almost two years ago, I was in Lima, Peru, and I was invited to speak in this church. This pastor who has been partnering with us and has been teaching children in the way we provide them the, all these resources, say, you need to come to my church and you need to see what God has been doing here. So we went to, this, to the outskirts of Lima. Now, look, mind you, Lima is a very busy city. It's like New York, but uh, with more noise, more traffic, and more dust. But it's very, very difficult to move from one point to the other, to the one side of the city to the other side. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a city with a lot of poverty, a lot of immigrants, a lot of uh, needs. So I go to this church that is located outside the, the outskirts of Lima. And I walk in into this church, and the first two people that greet me that Sunday morning were these two beautiful little girls. They were like chipmunks. <laughs> Carrie say that I'm energetic and all that? These girls are like, really like, ten times the energy. The moment I got out of the car, they were like jumping and they were like dancing and they came and hugged me. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, what's going on? I didn't even know them. And they were like, oh, we are so happy that you're here with us today, this Sunday. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never been welcomed to a church this way. I think these girls need to do like a, like a training 
international training for, for welcoming teams. Because I felt overwhelmed with the welcoming, with the love that they showed to me. But you know, when they started talking to me, I immediately realized that they were not from Peru. So I asked them, I say, because in Latin America, there's 22 countries that speak Spanish, but we have uh, different accents. So I am originally from Mexico, so if I go to South America, they immediately know that I'm from Mexico because of the way I speak. So when I listened to these two girls, I immediately caught their accent, and they were from Venezuela. Now, I don't know if you keep up with the news and what's going on, but Venezuela, it's been under a dictatorship for the past 20 years. And the country is practically in ruins because of the political system that they have. So over 7 million people escaped the country in the past five years. 7 million people out of less than 30 million because they were starving, because they were being persecuted, because they didn't have any opportunities. And they've been floating into the South American neighbor, neighboring countries, Colombia, Ecuador, uh, Peru, Chile, Argentina, even Mexico. It's very difficult for them. So when these girls told me, oh, we are from Venezuela, I say, oh, what part of Venezuela? And that all energy that they had just deflated. They told me that we're from Maracaibo. And they told me that they just got to Lima a month before. What broke my heart was that they told me that they've been walking for one month and a half. Crossing Colombia, crossing Ecuador, getting to Lima. And when they got to Lima, they told me, you know what? Lima is so beautiful. It's the best place on earth. And you know, I, came, I come from California. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. I cannot imagine what Venezuela is like. But as I look at them, they say something very interesting. They say, you know what? We got here a month ago, and the people from the church welcomed us. We were able to get a mattress. They gave us some shoes because our shoes were worn out from all the walking. They fed us. They give us hot soup. They started inviting us to church. I didn't know anything about Jesus. And the girl on the blue shirt say, you know what? I'm going to get baptized soon. Because I accepted, I received Jesus in my heart. I know he loves me. And you know, and I'm going to tell all my friends to come and see that. And then I was like, thank you, Jesus. This is what it's all about. It's all about welcoming those who are in need. Welcoming those who are broken. Welcoming those that maybe not been walking for a month and a half, but they've been walking for their whole life with worn-out shoes that are hungry spiritually, that they're desperate, that they say they cannot go on anymore. You know, I was like, blown away by this testimony because I say that is what the church is all about it's welcoming those little children it's saying yes come in and, and the last report that I got I know COVID hit and everybody has to stay home and all that 
but they started regathering in the park in the open air in Peru. And this little girl has brought over 20 other little girls and boys from Venezuela to this church. Isn't that a beautiful testimony? At the end of all this, I say, you and I, and the two of you, we need to take a picture because everybody, wherever I go, I'm going to make sure that everybody sees your smile. And especially those ones that are in greeting greeting teams in churches. We need to be reminded of the joy that can only be found through Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded, just as we read earlier, you know, that we need to think about that when we do acts that are unseen towards those who cannot repay, God sees those and God repays those. It is just beautiful. And I will ask, to ask you to continue praying for these girls and for children all over Latin America, all over the world, children here in Murrieta, in Temecula Valley, in our communities, and even in our churches, in our church at the awakening, that need to have an experience, a personal relationship with Jesus. So I want to share with you five practical ways because why is this important and why is this matters? Because some say that children are the church of the future, of tomorrow, but it's not true. The children are already here. They are part of the church today. We, cannot, we don't have to wait for them to, oh, let them grow up a little bit more so they understand. I think we should start from the moment that they are conceived, from the moment they are born. We should start praying for them, blessing them. We should start talking to them about Jesus. We should just look for opportunities to do this. And I want to just go really quick to share five practical ways of how we can bring Jesus, uh, children to Jesus. The first one is, let your kids, and I put there even your grandkids, but if you're an uncle or an aunt or a big brother, put your name there, your title there, to see your real faith. You know, we all get tired once in a while, right? We get frustrated. We get disappointed. We get worn out. We feel like things are not going the way I want it. And I think that instead of trying to pretend that everything is all right, I think we need to tell our children what's going on, and we need to pray. And we need to ask them to pray with us. We need to include them in our prayer time. They need to see that we need Jesus as much as they do. They need to see that real faith at times is messy. It's not easy. But at the same time, they need to see that we are constantly depending on God. That we're coming to Jesus to say, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot. I need patience and I need you to know that I need patience. And let's pray about that. Let's pray that we can together, you know, ask God to help us on this. You know, make this a habit because this is important. This is something that uh, I've been practicing. And I, I, I am trying to practice it more because... So many times we get into this adult mode where everything needs to be square and perfect. But I think we need to also say, you know what? We need to pray. We need to pray about what's going on with you right now. 
We need to pray about what's going on with me. That's one practical way that we can start. Yes, our testimony is important. Yes, we need to strive to do the best because our kids are looking at us on the things that we are doing, on the things that how we are reacting to situations. But I think it's also important that they see that we need to have this connection, this time of prayer all the time with Jesus. I think that's going to be very good for, for our kids. Another thing is apologize often. How often? I don't know. Seven times seven, like the Bible says? Do it. It's something wonderful happens when someone apologizes, when your parent apologizes to you as a child, and when you apologize to your children. Because we do mistakes. We all do mistakes. We all do things that hurt our children. You know, this morning I was thinking about this, and I'm going to open up my heart with you a little bit more, because my, my father... In his last years of life, he became an alcoholic. And he was really bad. He got really sick and he was completely lost. So from age 12 to age 17, 18, when I was that age, he was completely absent because of his alcoholism. The last time I had the opportunity to speak to him, I was turning 18 years old. And we got into an argument because of the, the dynamics that we have in the family. And he stood up and he said, I am sorry, son, for everything I've done. At that time, I was kind of like, huh, I don't know if I can forgive you. And I tell you, it took me a while to process that. And I lived with that thought for a long time because just a month after that, he passed away. I never had the chance to have a closure with him on that. But I tell you that that statement that my father made to me eventually led me to the feet of the cross because when i understood that jesus forgave me that god forgave me through the sacrifice of jesus on the cross i understood that i can have a new start a new beginning that i needed to be carrying on that with me forever so apologize often before the sun goes down, apologize. If there's something you say, because you got became impatient. I know right now with this COVID journey, oh my gosh, I became the principal of my children. I'm working from home. And my desk is here in the corner and I have three stations that I need to be picking on. And it's frustrating and it's, it's tiring. And it, and it can drain you. And if you're not careful, that can turn into anger. And you can end up sinning and hurting your children. So apologize often. Let them see the love of God through you. The mercy of God through you. The grace of God. The grace of Jesus through you. I think that's going to be very helpful for all of us. Another thing that is so important is read God's word to your children often. Make it a habit. Look for a good Bible that is appropriate for their age. Make it fun. Make it interactive. Let them ask questions. Make it into a game if it's necessary. But you know what? More than ever, children need to know what God says in his word more than ever, because they're being bombarded with all this stuff. 
We all know that. Cell phone, TV, music, all the stuff. And we cannot put them in a bubble, but we, what we can do is that we can feed them with the Word of God, with the bread of life. We can teach them what God says about who they are, what is their identity, who can they become, what Jesus did for them. They can know this truth, and that can change them. It's a seed that we can plant on their hearts that can transform and that will transform their lives. Because that's what the Bible says. We need to do that. And the, last, the, next, the next one is have your own time with Jesus. I cannot ask my children to have time with Jesus if I don't have time with Jesus. This is very important. I cannot ask those ones that are younger than me to say, hey, have time with Jesus. Oh, you're misbehaving? Time out with Jesus. No. Imagine, I need to start with my own time with Jesus. And I need to start doing better at that. How much time? I don't know. It's up to you. I'm not going to give you a formula of five minutes here, five minutes there, do another five minutes later, or do 30 minutes, or your age in two minutes, or whatever. Nothing like that. But have your own time with Jesus. While you, when you wake up, when you shower, when you're driving, how you have time with Jesus, I don't know. Seek him. Because that then is going to change your thoughts. It's going to change your way of your heart. And then it's going to change how your children see you and how you see them. And eventually then you can direct them and help them to grow. And this applies too with people with, that are new in the faith. People that we are helping to know who Jesus is. Do it the same way. And maybe you say, oh, Oliver, my children are already grown up. They're all adults. How come you didn't tell me this 20 years ago or 30 years ago? It's never too late. It's never too late. No one is late to come to Jesus. No one. And we all had that opportunity to experience that. And we all had the opportunity to be a channel of blessing to our children and those ones that are new in the faith or younger in the faith. And the last point I want to share with you is take them to church. Take them to church. I actually was thinking about this point and I say, it's not just take them to church. Let them be the church. Let them experience what it's like, not just to come on a Sunday worship morning service, but what it's like to get involved in the church. Make it a priority. Make church going a priority. Make it a habit. You know, because so many times it's like, oh, there's, there's a football, American football game, right? Sunday, Sunday Super Bowl or whatever. And sometimes we prioritize things in the wrong way. And then sometimes we ask ourselves, why is it that my children don't want to come to church? It's because it starts with me. If I make it a priority... If I allow them to see and to serve and to experience what church life is like, again, I'm not just saying Sunday mornings, but the whole church life is like, then they can have a different perspective about what is church like. We do not want to create consumers of church. We don't just want to say, oh, Sunday is going to be wonderful. It's going to be fun. Please come. That's okay. 
We got to do all that. But we want them to, to know that, hey, we're serving. Remember what we read earlier? Service, humbleness. The greatness comes from serving the lowly, the ones that cannot repay. The greatness comes when you're willing to invest your time, your resources, your gifts, what God has given to you to increase God's kingdom. That's beautiful. When you experience that, it's going to be, it's going to change everything. Believe me. You have to pray to God and you have to say, God, Jesus, please help me so I can become that example for my children. So as we go into the last verses that I want to share with you, going back to Mark chapter 10, it says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And again, it was not about Become a little kid. Be playful. Be mature. No. It was an attitude. It was like, God, I get it. Change my heart. <laughs> Sometimes people ask me, how old are you, Oliver? And I say, oh, I'm just 43 years old. I'm a child that is only 43 years old. I want to think of myself that way. I want to think about saying, I want to continue being a child in the eyes of God. I want to continue... Saying, God, teach me something new. Help me to trust you. Help me to walk to the storm. Help me to experience what it's like to be in a relationship with you every day. Because the moment we think we are too grown-ups in the faith, that we are adults spiritually, we start then becoming more like the Pharisees and not like the followers of Jesus. It is so important. You know, it's like anyone of you misses Disneyland or Universal Studios or places that, you know, that are fun. Uh, I had the opportunity to take my kids on a vacation. We went to, to Thailand and we went to this place called Animal Kingdom. And this place in Animal Kingdom, you need to, you pay a ticket to see the crocodile hand, uh, handlers. These guys that put their head inside the crocodile and it's like, ah, and all the stuff. And we had to pay a ticket to get in, to see that. And you know what I was thinking? Many people think that they need to have a ticket to enter into God's kingdom. That they need to, go, they need to become better. And they need to be good enough to be able to get that ticket to heaven. But you know what? Jesus already paid that ticket. He already has given us access to the kingdom. And this is something that we need to understand with that little child thinking and openness in the heart. Jesus, I want to understand the amount of the pain and the suffering that you went through so I can be forgiven. I need to understand that you were the one that had no sin, that you're the only one that could actually done it for me, the only one that can actually became the sacrifice so I can come into a relationship 
with God. That I can be cleansed from my sins. That I can be forgiven. That I can be given a new life. That I can become a new person. That I can be joyful again. And free from all the lies and all the stuff that is trying to destroy my, me and my family. You know, this is something that I want to just remind you. It's about being humble. It's about being understanding of what God did. Just as the Bible says that he loved the world, for he loved the world, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is an opportunity that we have today to experience that. And this last verse, it says, And he took the little children in his arms. So finally, the children were able to come to him. Finally, the children were able to get into the VIP access that the disciples created, right? They finally were able to come to him. And he says, you know, he placed his arms in his arms and placed his hands on them. And bless them. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful moment. And you know, I want to tell you this today. You can come to Jesus today. You can come to Jesus' arms. If you're tired, if you're weary, if you are sick, if you are disappointed, if you feel that you cannot go on anymore, and you just feel like, oh, I'm so tired. I've just given up. My children, my job, my COVID. Oh my gosh, I cannot go on anymore. Come to Jesus. Literally come to Jesus. Let him hold you in his arms. Let him place his hands on you. And let him bless you. I think that's going to be something that when you allow yourself and come to Jesus with that when you hear his voice and you come to him with that humbleness attitude with that like a little child say yes I want that I want that yes yes what do I need to do I think wonderful different things will happen to you and even though your situation doesn't change your heart will change even though the problems will go on you will experience a new life in Christ because that's what he says that's the opportunity that we have. So, as a closing statement, there's this verse that, in the tradition, is also given at the end of any message. But I think uh, I was just thinking it would be just appropriate to do this today. That we can take a moment to receive this blessing, this prayer. And internalize it and say, God, what can I do to serve you? To serve those ones that are in need? To let the little children come to you? Or maybe I need to come to you? I do not know where are you in your walk with Jesus. I do not know if this is the first time you hear something about Jesus. If you, do, you did, great. <laughs> And if you've been a Christian for a long time, a follower of Jesus for a long time, and <laughs> it's also wonderful. I don't know if you were a follower and then you walk away and then coming back. I don't know where are you, but I know God knows where you are.
And I know that today you're here for a reason. You're here because God wanted you to hear his promises, his blessings, the gospel, the salvation, the opportunity that we have, most especially his love for us. So I want to read this and I want to close us in prayer. But I want you to have a very open heart about this prayer. And I want you to take a moment about, think about where are you in your relationship with God today. It says like this, the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in this place, to talk about you, to know about who you are, and to experience about your love, your grace, your forgiveness. We thank you for this reminder about what we read in the Bible today, in the scripture, that you want those, the little children to come to you. And not just the little children, but you want us of us, each of us that may be little in the faith to come to you. So we can experience, Lord, what it's like to be in your arms, to be near you, to have your hand placed on us and to be blessed. But most especially, Lord, I just pray that if anyone here today is desperate, weary, and tired, and hopeless, and it, it just feels that they, they cannot go on, I pray, Lord, that today your, your Holy Spirit will touch their hearts. May this word of the message of salvation through Jesus Christ will come into their hearts, and they, may they experience you, Lord, what you done for who you are we thank you lord because we have the confidence of the things that will happen we have faith in you we know that you were taken into that cross to die for our sins and that you were buried and resurrected on the third day and we know lord that we have the confidence in your name Lord, you are the one that heals us, the, the one that sanctifies us. You are the one that is coming back. You are, Lord, the one, Lord, that saves us. And we thank you, Lord, because we can just come today and say, thank you. Lord, I pray for our children. We pray for the different uh, children in our lives, that they may experience you as we, Lord, bring them to you. May you touch them and bless them, and may they experience what it's like to walk with you. May they be also become followers of your name, followers of who you are, followers of you, Lord. We thank you, and we thank you for this beautiful opportunity that we have. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you.